1: not the donkey or the elephant. This is the podcast that's too liberal for conservatives and too conservative for liberals. I'm Patrick Miller. And I'm Keith Simon. And we choose truth over tribe. Do you? Are you ready for a most dramatic episode yet? I hope so, because we're getting ready to talk with Clayton Eckert, the most recent Bachelor. The conversation I have with Clayton fits really well with last week's episode. If you haven't listened to it, you might want to, because on that episode, we discussed how our culture is redefining marriage and commitment in pretty radical ways. This week, we wanted to think about how ordinary people are living in the new reality. The Bachelor has come to represent many people's vision of sex, marriage, and commitment. It throws one person into a polygamous world where sex, commitment, and the hope of marriage look wildly different than what the Bible teaches. Now, if you've been listening to Truth Over Tribe, it probably won't surprise you to find out that I'm not a big fan of The Bachelor. I've talked on other podcasts and written blog posts, discouraging Christians from even watching it. And yet here I am talking with the latest Bachelor. I admit that I entered into this conversation with Clayton a little apprehensive. You see, Clayton was a part of The Crossing, which is the church Patrick and I are pastors. And I don't want to be the kind of pastor who is afraid to have hard conversations with famous people. But then Clayton and I started talking before I ever hit the record button, and it was obvious he was going to be really open. He's been on a lot of podcasts, but said he was really looking forward to this one because he wanted to think about his participation on The Bachelor from a Christian perspective. Clayton says that he's a Christian, but he also said he knows he hasn't always acted like a Christian. He also made a point of saying that no question was off limits. He was willing to talk about anything, and you'll find that we talked about all the hard things. His attitude really affected our conversation. I tried to have a conversation the best I could and incorporate both grace and truth. In other words, I tried to have a conversation that Jesus would have with Clayton. Jesus treated self-righteous people very differently than people who are honest about their own struggles. Look, I don't have a personal friendship with Clayton. This is the first time we'd ever met. I don't know what's going on in his life right now, but I hope the best for him. I know I liked him much better after this conversation than before. He's open, honest, self-reflective, willing to admit he blew it. So here we go, the conversation with Clayton Eckerd.
0: Clayton Eckerd, welcome to Truth Over Tribe. How's it going? I'm excited to be here, Keith. It's good to see you again. Obviously, I told you I went to church in the crossing quite a bit. Now here we are uh, virtually. Yeah. Uh, states away.
1: We had a connection that I wasn't even totally aware of. But when you lived in Columbia, Missouri, went to school here, worked here, played football here. You were going to a church that I'm the pastor of. And, you know, it's a good sized church. So it's not like we
0: knew each other, but there is some sort of connection. Yeah. 10 years in Columbia and, and the crossing was the main church that I went to. I have a fair amount of friends that go there still as well. So for me, this is one that's exciting, you know, to sit down and talk with you. I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion that we'll get into. And it's very thought provoking already. I've already had a lot of thoughts as I prepared for this interview. Well, wow, that's good. I hope that you're willing to share
1: kind of what you were going through in the last several months together, I don't think many of us can really identify. We've never been through something like you've been through. So l- let me just say this up front. is uh, I'm not the biggest Bachelor guy. I'm probably not the main demographic of people who watched it, but I have a lot of good friends who are. And one of them told me that this person's probably watched every season of The Bachelor and every spinoff of The Bachelor. And so she's pretty well informed on the topic. And she told me that when you finished... Your season just here recently that people were really upset with you. She wasn't sure it was fair, but that people were upset, even some angry at you. For those of us who haven't seen every episode, could you help us understand what did you do that made everybody so mad?
0: Oh man, you know, there's. I think there's some things that are warranted, some that are unwarranted. Uh, but what I'll say is this: is based off of everything that I've read online, the feedback that I've received. A lot of people were upset with the end of uh, the entire season where I had three women. And long story short, I was following my heart through it all and realized that my heart was with one woman towards the end. As I knew it was going to get to that point, I just didn't know when I was going to be able to make that decision because I had fallen in love with three women in different capacities. And so with that, as I chased after one of them, the other two I came across to some viewers as I lacked empathy and it's tough for me to hear. I, I, again, I, whether we go into that or not, but that was essentially what was said is I lacked empathy. It was kind of rude the way that I handled that situation. I wasn't thoughtful of their emotions and I essentially just kind of sent them on their way. And so that's where a lot of the frustration as far as what I've seen online lies is in my handling of sending those two women home. And I guess thoughts were that I should have sent them home earlier instead of kept them around as I was trying to figure out where my heart really was.
1: So it seems like a lot of this centers around how you interacted at the end with these three women, Susie, Gabby, and Rachel. And you told these three women that you loved them. If I understand it right, do you really think, you know, in hindsight now, you're not in the emotion of it. The cameras aren't on. They're not standing there. Do you think it's accurate? Did you really love all three of these women or were you just confused at the
0: time? So I would say a little of both. I believe that I was falling in love with Gabby and, and Rachel, but I only had fallen in love with Susie. So at the time I did say that I was in love with all three and I believed it. But I will say that absolutely, as I still look back at it, I mean, it is it is obvious I was confused and lost. I was in an environment, I had to actually look this term up because there's always a term for everything. And so I thought, what was it that I was struggling so much with? And it's in a polyamorous environment with the show. And I walked in with a monogamous mindset, quickly realized that I was trying to then switch into this polyamorous mindset, but then realizing at the end of it all, I had to get back to a monogamous mindset. So I was in this foreign environment with this foreign thought process that I was trying to grasp and it led to me being very confused.
1: Dude, I'm so glad you said that. I think it was really well said. The whole basis of the show is that you're going to come in and you're going to kind of rotate through these women to try to find one that you want to spend the rest of your life with. Or at least that's kind of the image that we're presented. And so it is a polyamorous environment. You're having all these intimate, personal moments, one-on-one, candlelight dinners, whatever it is, with individual women. But everybody wants you to walk out saying, my heart is with just one of these women. And that's just not the way that most of us are wired, right? I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but it's hard not to start having feelings and attachments toward these women that you're spending a lot of personal one-on-one having fun dates with. Is that what you experienced, that your heart was being pulled in a lot of different directions? And it's kind of unfair to scold you because you grew attached
0: to several women. Yeah. You know, again, I think as I walked into it all, it was something that I'd never done before dating multiple women and uh, (laughs) I will never do that ever again. And so with that, I tried to make sense of it all. And it was interesting as I've had a lot of time to reflect. I mentioned when people asked me, how did you do this and develop these feelings for the women? And I kept saying that I was compartmentalizing the relationships. And so I was solely focused on each individual woman when I was with them and blocked out the other relationships. So while I was in a polyamorous environment, I kept trying to make it monogamous. And that worked when I was with them. But every time that I would leave the date, I realized, no, you're still in this environment where you're dating multiple women. Right. So at the end of this, you're going to have to get down to one woman. You want to. And I fought and fought and fought. I said, you do not want to fall for multiple women. That's not possible. I didn't believe it was. Mm -hmm. And so I fought it and fought it. Long story short as well, I realized that I was withholding my emotions. I knew I was. I was trying to protect myself, but the women didn't know where I stood. And then the fear crept in of, will these women start putting walls up if they don't know where I stand as we approach the end of this? And so then I just let my emotions throw it all out there. And that's when I started telling each of the women how I felt. And that's where the water started to muddy when I realized that you can only walk out of here with one, but you just told three women you're falling in love with them.
1: It seems like the whole show is set up to end in a train wreck. And maybe that's what the appeal of the show is, that we all are kind of watching, you know, emotional meltdowns on occasion, hard, difficult conversations that are probably meant to just between two people. And yet now lots of people are watching it and then they're watching it on replay and dissecting your responses. And it just seems a little bit unfair. It's kind of weird because we live in this moralistic culture where it used to be live and let live and you do you, but now you're in trouble with people for telling more than one woman that you loved them But you can't tell me you're the first Bachelor to do that. You just did on camera what everybody else was doing off camera, right? There's no way I'll believe that you're the first Bachelor contestant or Bachelorette to tell multiple people that you loved them. It just doesn't make sense.
0: Uh, No, and so I didn't watch a ton of shows prior, but I've since been filled in with how other previous seasons have went. There have been other previous Bachelor bachelorettes that have told multiple people they are falling in love with them. So I was not the first, no. Although I might have been the first to say three, I think, before it was two you know? And so I went up by one, but (laughs) just to make things more challenging on myself, but how do you navigate an environment like this? I think I see a lot of people on the outside that say, he's doing this wrong. He should have did it this way. I don't disagree with some of these takes that people have, but my whole thought is again, it's, I would ask for a little bit of grace, not a ton. Again, I took the actions I took. And so I also have to understand that I will be judged for that. That's okay. I think everyone has a right to an opinion, but yeah, it is really challenging when you're in this environment and you're playing with multiple people's emotions. And if you don't have any connections going into the end of it all, then no one gets hurt. Clearly what happened is stronger the connections got, it leads to a harder heartbreak, which is what upsets the audience when they see these women be heartbroken, which it's upset me too. But I realized there was no way that I could avoid a heartbreak at that point because of the relationships that I had formed.
1: You've already mentioned here in our conversation that you've kind of read what other people have said about you. You know, you've read some of the critiques and I really respect that. It sounds like you've learned from some of them that you're willing to say I blew it here and there. How does all that negative criticism affect you? I mean, I think of all the way back from when you first started being The bachelor and they got some blowback and you were reading kind of mean tweets (laughs) that people had said about you all the way to the end. And now the criticism that you've received. I'm just not buying that doesn't have some impact on you. I bet it does. How do you handle it personally?
0: had a major impact. I probably hit my lowest of low points in my life a couple weeks ago. I just became overwhelmed when I realized that I knew where the ending was heading. As far as I knew that I already wasn't liked from the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other conversation. But I really just wasn't liked from the moment that I was chosen. And that's where I thought it was unfair that I was being hated for just being picked. And so I already knew that I had people against me, but they really didn't have any reason to dislike me until I started to give them some reasons to dislike me. And at that point, I knew the ending. I knew it was coming. And then once it happened, I just got a million messages telling me to kill myself, all these expletives. And I just... I saw them and I read them. It's thousands and thousands of messages a day. How I overcame that was just relying on my support system. Thankfully, didn't go about this alone for the last four months. I've been with Susie the entire time. Obviously, we dated long distance because we had to be secretive about it. But her and I talked for hours on the phone. I mean, we probably spent over 100 hours at this point on the phone because we just FaceTimed and talked through it all together. And I talked to my family and... Just was reminded that, you know, I am a good person. Everyone that surrounds me thinks that way. And so as long as my inner circle has my back and supports me, that's why I have to keep reminding myself that the rest of it will pass. People have their opinion of me, but the people that truly know me, those are the opinions that I really care about the most. And overall, I think they realize I got in over my head, but they still love me, still support me, and realize that the show is the show, but that doesn't define who I am. So you talk about
1: your support system, and I think if your parents who I saw a clip of them and having this conversation with you. And I think it's toward the end of the season, right? And everybody seemed to love your parents just because they seem pretty down to earth. You're from Eureka, Missouri, and that's not too far away from where I live. It's kind of home of Six Flags, all that, common people, ordinary people. And your parents just seem really down to earth, straight shooters. What's your relationship with them like? They're a part of your support system, right?
0: Oh, a thousand percent. They are as close as it gets when it comes to my support system. I love them unconditionally and they do for me as well. But what's so great and what people saw was that's exactly how my relationship with them is. My dad came in and was like, oof, okay. After everything you just told me, dude, you're in a bad spot. <laughs> and that was great. That's what my dad has done so many times in my life is when I started to kind of get a little crazy with some decisions. My dad's the one who's level-headed, who just comes in tough love is like, here's what you happened. You messed up. What are you going to do to fix it? You know, and that's what he showed. And people love that about him. And they should, because I have phenomenal parents who love me, but will also hold me accountable. And that's exactly what my dad did. And My mom, she also was acting the same way. She's a little bit more nurturing. So she kind of took that approach. But the two of them together, I mean, they're incredible. And I wish I would have had them the entire way along the journey because I probably could have saved myself. A lot of the poor choices I made at points, I think they could have saved me had I just had them in my corner.
1: When you were down in that low spot a couple of weeks ago and you're getting all this criticism, I'm sure some of it hits close to home. I mean, a lot of it probably doesn't because you're able to dismiss the things that are just crazy people talking, right? They don't know you. They don't know what you're like. They don't know what it's like to be on that show. But my guess is some of it hit close to home because it was things you were already thinking about yourself. So you thought maybe there was some truth in it. How'd your faith help you in that? I mean, you're talking about your support system. And like I said, I love your parents, but did your faith come into play at that point or did that seem like maybe God was upset with you too, just like everybody else
0: was? I wouldn't say that I looked at it like God was punishing me by any means. And I know that there's things I did on the show that weren't Christian, like as far as the actions that I took. And I'm aware of that, but I really do feel, and I said it on the show and I do believe it. And it's rooted in faith is that I do believe everything happens for reason. And so even at the lowest of low points, I told myself and convinced myself and kept praying and said, Hey, listen, like, I don't know why I have to get to this rock bottom point, but I believe that I will grow back stronger and learn so much from it. So, Lord, I'm just going to trust you that there will be a light in the tunnel as there always is. And I'm just going to put my head down. I'm going to learn these tough life lessons. I'm going to take this criticism and I'll come out the other side a better person. And, you know, I still have a ways to go, I'm still learning. Based off of what actions I took, I'm still facing the criticism on a daily basis. But I really felt that through all of this, I kept telling myself, this is all meant to happen. It was all meant to happen for a reason. And you might not see it today, uh, but you might have the answers. Maybe maybe you figure out, have an answer in a month, maybe five years, but you're going to end up figuring out why you had to go through all this.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate your humility, Clayton. I think my initial reaction would be to put up walls and to be
0: defensive but maybe you were like that sometimes. I don't know, but in private, (laughs) yeah, I definitely, I definitely wanted to lash out and I wanted to respond to these comments and say, you are ridiculous and here's why. And I can't believe, you know, I wanted to, and I did say that in private to my loved ones. I did have those conversations, but you realize that again, on a platform like this, one bout of aggression or frustration, everything's judged that I do from here on out. And I know that. So with the spotlight that I'm in, I have to be a bigger person. I have to really control my emotions, knowing that again, that's all it takes. One 15 second clip of me doing something stupid could forever change the trajectory of my life in the future with success, with work or whatever it might be. So I have to be really, really careful.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate your humility and your graciousness and willing to process all this and be self-reflective and learn from it. So let's keep talking about this faith, but more in conjunction with the show. So season 25, Matt James opens with this prayer, right? All the women are there and he prays for them and himself and what they're getting ready to go through. And you have Sean Lowe, this guy who is famous in Bachelor history because he wouldn't do the fantasy suite thing. And and now he's got a solid marriage and three kids. So he's kind of a poster child of success For The Bachelor, you've got Hannah Brown saying in her exchange with Luke Parker, I had sex and Jesus still loves me or something like that. That's my paraphrase, best I remember it. So there's this kind of vibe, this, I don't know if it's a faith vibe or Christian vibe more recently or, and you're talking about your faith. Is that promoted on the show? Do you think they're trying to do that? Is that coincidence? Do people talk a lot about faith in the context of the show as you were
0: on it? You know, the conversation really didn't come up much, but I wonder if that's more when it comes to the leads. I think that it's brought up from a lead perspective because we don't have anybody to turn to when we go into that environment. We don't have our friends. We don't have our family. And so who else do you turn to whenever you're in troubling times or really hard times? You turn to Jesus. You turn to God. You have those conversations. That's what I turned to. And every night I would lay in bed and I would pray and I had a journal. So those were the two things that I would do to reset myself every night so that I could go in the next day. My thought is because of how stressful the environment is with not having family and friends around, I believe leads probably bring their faith into it because that's the one thing that they're hanging on to Hmm. as they navigate through this really foreign environment.
1: Yeah. So you've talked about how you went to church and did you grow up in a Christian family? Is this like part of your heritage at all?
0: Yeah, I grew up Lutheran. And as far as I can remember, as far back, I went to church from a very young age Then I switched to being non-denominational as I went to college and just kind of started looking at different churches. But yeah, it's been a part of my life really since as far back as I can remember. So how does your Christianity,
1: because I think I'm safe saying you think of yourself as a Christian, how does that affect how you live your life? Like, it's one thing to say, hey, I believe this. It's another thing to let your faith start intersecting with all parts of your life, you know, work, calendar, money sex, fame, sports. I know you're an athlete. How does your
0: faith affect your life? So I think a lot of the things that I've learned in church, as far as just being a good person, I, I knew I was coming on this podcast. I thought, you know, what is it to be a good Christian and we can never be perfect, but we can strive to be as close to a godlike image as possible. For me, I've always just tried to treat people with respect be patient with individuals, not be judgmental, just carry a lot of these characteristics that I believe, you know, that Jesus had and try to be as close to that as I can. Now, obviously I have vices. I have things that I do wrong and I know that, but yeah, I think for me, as I go through my life, I always try just be very understanding as much as possible and to not be judgmental. Like, you know, I don't think Jesus is judging. I think he understands that when we are who we are, but I try to just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I just try to be a good person. I really just, that's kind of the way I carry about my life, whether I'm at work, whether I'm on a TV show, whatever I'm doing in sports, I really just try to be loving and caring everywhere that I go.
1: Did you find the show put you in a position where you had to compromise your faith or was it odds with your faith? You went on the show knowing what you were going to get into. It's not like you're surprised. You were a contestant on The Bachelorette before you were on the show as the lead. So I'm curious why you went on it, just to be frank, you know, why you went through it, but also whether it kind of found you at odds with your faith, you know, that there was this disconnect and maybe if you look and go, yeah. I didn't anticipate it, but it did compromise my faith in some
0: ways. Yeah. You know, to answer that first question. So uh, I went on the show because I kind of hit a point when I turned 28. It really is like a quarter life crisis is what I'll call it. (laughs) But I just realized that I was complacent in my life where I was at. I wasn't happy. I wasn't really sad. I was just in between going through the motions and I need to create some change in my life. I just don't see this being the life that I want for the rest of my time here on this earth, because that's kind of where I was at with my work was I was going to take over the head sales position and I was going to be in Columbia for my life. And so I kind of was like, I don't know if this is exactly where I want to be. I also just wasn't finding what I was looking for from a relationship standpoint. So essentially what happened is I started looking for jobs elsewhere in the country. And then this opportunity popped up, the show reached out and I just I was like, okay, this is crazy, but I'll just start going through the process. And if it's meant to be, it'll end up coming to fruition. And sure enough, as I kept pushing forward, the job offers that I was looking at were kind of a little shoddy. They weren't what I thought they were. And then all of a sudden, I told my company I was potentially going to leave. So there was all this instability. And then there was this crazy opportunity to go on The Bachelorette. And I just thought, well, I have all this instability right now. So if I'm ever going to jump and do something crazy, might as well do it in a time of instability. And I did. So Michelle was first season at the time. I said, I don't know if Michelle will end up picking me. I'm one of thirty guys, but if I go on there and I'm a good person, you know, hopefully some woman out there will see me and be like, you know, I want to reach out to this guy, and hopefully this will kind of cast a wide net where I say, hey, here I am. And hopefully that might help me find what I'm looking for. So that was kind of the thought was like, hey, I could be kind of spotted by somebody that watches the show and it might reach out. And then I could find the relationship that I'm looking for. A very unconventional way of doing it. But I just thought, why not? You only have one life. And so I thought, hey, this could be fun. Obviously, then I ended up getting picked to be The Bachelor. And so it completely changed that trajectory. But with that second part of your question, yeah, I kind of knew that I was going to be compromising some of my... Well, I don't want to say compromise because there's certain things. Let's just, let's spearhead the elephant in the room, right? I think one of the biggest things that I knew going into the show that was not Christian-like that I was going to probably end up doing was engage in premarital sex. That's something that I've done prior to the show. And this is something that says in the Bible, you should wait till marriage. And I haven't, and I haven't in my past. And so I've lived with that. And I knew going in that I was going to potentially have that option where I was going to potentially become intimate with at least one woman. And I had feelings of love for each of the three women. And so for me, I felt, well, I'm in love with these women. So this is naturally something to explore if I'm going to get engaged with somebody. Like I don't take engagement lightly. So I need to have that physical intimacy aspect. I have friends that waited till marriage and then they were physically intimate with their partner just the way I'm wired. I just would rather know if that's going to be part of the relationship, if it's there, if it's not before I get engaged and married. So I wouldn't say that I compromised. I was already kind of, that's something that I knew going into the show was going to potentially happen and it wouldn't be Christian-like, but I felt that it was important for me to explore that side of the relationship. So I really appreciate your
1: transparency because we all have things in our life that we're not proud of or things that are inconsistent with our faith. All of us, have a lot of failures and not many of us are willing to talk about them in front of millions of people like you've been willing to do. So nothing but respect from me for that. But if I can just challenge you a little bit to say, I wonder if Jesus cares about who you sleep with. Why does Jesus do that? I don't think it's because he's trying to keep you from something like that's good for you i think it's because he's trying to keep you from something that can cause a lot of hurt and pain in your life and other people's lives and i think you saw that play out right part of the hurt experienced by Gabby and Rachel. And even to some extent, Susie in this whole thing has been that you were attached emotionally and physically to these women. And that cements, because that's the way God designed sex is to cement that relationship, that married relationship. And then it was cemented and then pulled apart. That's really painful. And so I just want to make sure that We don't think of Jesus as some sort of person who's trying to keep us from something good in his commands about sex as much as trying to provide the good life for us. And it sounds like you've had to wrestle with this issue of, is Jesus the Lord over my sexuality or not really? Is he giving me commands that he calls me to as the king and as my savior and my hope? Or... Are these suggestions, right, that I have the ability to follow or not follow? And I think everybody has that struggle. Are we going to compartmentalize our faith and have areas of our life that Jesus is not welcome into? Like, you know, if you think of a house, maybe you have a a closet that's locked or a junk room that's locked. Are there parts of my life that are kept away from Jesus? Or is he going to be allowed into every area, every room, every part of my life? And do I want to follow him with my whole life? So as you kind of reflect back, what parts do you most regret? Like, what parts do you go, man, if I had it to do over again, I'd do this differently?
0: Yeah. So I've been asked that question quite a bit. And I think the biggest thing I realized was I wish that overall, I would have just asked more questions. I made a lot of assumptions because I assume that we we're all on the same page, given the environment. But it's interesting because I'm the one who's dating multiple people and these women are dating just me solely. So it's two different mindsets that kind of come and clash together, although they knew I was dating other women. But I made the assumption that we're in this environment, so we kind of all know how things operate. And I regret that because it wasn't the case. I realized that I was the only one that was assuming like, hey, this could happen. I could be physically intimate. I could also express feelings of love for multiple women. I thought that that was kind of fair game and that everyone would understand that. And the women were shocked. And more as I realized, the more shocked to find out about me falling for multiple people. That was the one that I think really didn't set right with all of them. They were upset about the physical intimacy, but my understanding as I've now listened more to these women and I've read online is it was more the aspect of falling and having that love displaced out three different ways hey, can I jump in
1: there? I want to make sure I understand. So you're saying, and you're trying to do your best to understand what they're saying to you, right? So maybe we've all kind of got something wrong here. But the best you can understand, they weren't upset about the sex. They were upset that you said you loved them. In other words, if you would have gone into the fantasy suite and just had sex with each of them, but never said, I love you, they would have been maybe not okay, but they wouldn't have... Been as upset. It's the combination of saying you loved him and having sex with him. Is that right? Did I get that right?
0: Yeah. You know, I had heard that after all this is said and done, I had heard that at least two of the three women were okay with me having sex with the other women, but they couldn't fathom me falling in love with multiple women. And so I would have thought it was more like, as a male, like, oh, the sex aspect is what's going to bother them, not the emotional side. But it was actually flipped from what I've since heard. So I struggle with that because I thought, well, you were okay with me being physical, but not having any emotional connection. Like that to me seems like then we're just having sex to have sex. If there's no emotional connection, that seems to be a bigger flag for me, red flag, because why would you be okay with that? And then get engaged with me if I'm just having mindless sex. And so that was tough. I kind of questioned why they would be okay with me having sex without emotion attached. It
1: all seems so weird because I thought we were all told for so many years that if you love somebody, you can have sex with them. Now, I don't think that's Jesus's perspective or the Bible's perspective, but that's what we've been told. And now we're being told, no, it's almost just the opposite. You can have sex with them, but don't dare tell them that you love them. And you're caught up in this moment where the world seems to be changing, the value system seems to be changing. Like we said, it went from live, let live to very moralistic culture. People are pointing out all the flaws, all the things that you did wrong that everybody else was doing too. They've done it in their own life, but somehow they're all gonna heap scorn on you and you're a bad person, even though, like I said, they're comfortable with it when they see it in themselves. So it just seems like it's a changing world and you went on a national television show and were honest at maybe the wrong
0: time, right? I mean, how are you supposed to know how this game is played? Yeah. You know, my big thing, and I kept saying it almost every time that I would address the women as a group and individually, because I, I walked in and I was like, I am going to give us a fair shot. It's a crazy environment that I'm walking into, but I really want to walk out of here with my person. And I believe that I can find that because the show can find the best of the best from all over the country and they can bring them all into one environment. And I saw there were so many incredible women that were there, but I kept saying, hey, listen, like I want full transparency and honesty and I will be that way with you no matter how hard it is. To me, withholding the truth is just as bad as lying. And so I don't like to do either. And that leads to some really challenging conversations and that's what people saw on TV. You know, I think on the show, there were certain things that I said that people were shocked by. How could you say this to somebody? One of the things that comes to mind is how I told one of the women that whoever I love the most at the end of this all, Will be the person that I end up with, and of course I hear that now, and I said that, and I'm thinking, why would you say that to somebody that you love? That makes it seem like it's a game, but it really is. In that environment, it's like, well, what does it come down to? Whoever you think of first when you wake up and last when you go to sleep, it's who do you really love the most? If you are in love with multiple people, nobody wants to hear that. No loved one wants to hear that, right? You would never have to say to somebody unless you were dating multiple people that you were falling in love with, but. It was very challenging and it was tough. And a lot of times people say, oh, why would you say that? Well, because my head was trying to make sense of it all. I've never been on The Bachelor and you've never been married, right? I've been married
1: quite a few years. But as I hear you talk about this, I'm not sure that we're talking about the same thing in love. Like what you were experiencing there is love compared to love in a lifetime marriage. I mean, you're talking about who you think about when you wake up or who you think about before you go to bed or who your heart's drawn to. And I don't want to minimize those feelings. I think those are good feelings and I respect them, but I'm not sure that to label them love, like you would talk about love inside of a marriage where it's about sacrifice and dying to yourself, and putting other people's interests above your own, and giving people grace to have really bad days, and being still committed to them, and all those kind of things that make a good marriage, I'm not sure that makes a fun dating relationship. And vice versa, what works in a fun dating relationship, where you've got all this money to have all these cool dates, and you've got all these attractive women at your beck and call, I'm not sure that what you experience there is necessarily going to make a great marriage. So I guess when you think about your relationship now with Susie, are there things that you learned about yourself or learned about love in the context of the last year or so that you want to take into this relationship with Susie in the future you guys might have together?
0: Yeah. Uh, First off, I want to say I agree with you 100%. I think the way that we see love is probably a little bit different because I've never been in that stage that you've been in where I've been married for years and years and years. And I think love can evolve over time and become something more than what it initially is. And so I agree with you. And when I was on the show in a two-month time frame while I'm here, this is the way that I perceive love to be. But to your point, moving forward, there's been a lot that, again, as I've seen, as we've been together for the last week, we have a stronger love. It's evolving every day. We're making sacrifices for each other and being able to just live life and support each other through it all. We've done that nonstop. And that's why this love has just, in the last four months, People are kind of seeing it now on social media and like, wow, they have a strong relationship. Yeah, because the last four months, we have been by each other's side through the toughest of moments. And that has created this really strong bond that continues to grow. And now we're at the point where what does love look like to us? Well, it's about supporting each other's goals. It's about being there to pick each other up when we're down. It's about making those sacrifices where, yeah, we work with each other's schedules right now as far as, hey, let's try to knock this out, knock this out. So we're doing all these things that On the show, yeah, we had these crazy wild dates and all that. It's fun and it's lights, camera, and action. But now this is the real part of it. This is the real world. And it looks much different than what was occurring in that environment. So I've learned that environment was that environment. But now as her and I talk, we're very transparent. We said, hey, listen, let's not put any stress on this relationship. You know, There is a lot of pressure that you could see from the outside from people saying that they don't work out. It was a giant failure. And it's like, listen, no. It could work out for the life. It could end up ending in a six months to a year, but we're going to do everything in our power to hopefully make this work. And we understand there's going to be challenges ahead. But I think what's so great about us is she's very rational. She's very transparent. We both are. So nothing's off limits. And that helps our love flourish because we can talk about the most challenging conversations. And we have done that.
1: Yeah, you talked about, if things don't work out, then people would see the show as a failure, you know, work out between you and whoever uses you chose, Susie in this case. But there is this disconnect, isn't there, between... The show and how it goes in the future. So most of the people who end up together at the end of the show don't stay together very long, or at least not permanently. They don't end up in a lifetime relationship, whether it's marriage or not. And I think it's because we've told ourselves that love is one thing, and the culture tells us it looks like The Bachelor show. It's fun, it's exciting, it's romantic, everybody looks their best all the time. But reality, like you're describing now, is really, really different than that. And so it shouldn't surprise us that a lot of those, maybe even most of those relationships don't stick together because what got you fired up about the person isn't necessarily real life. I heard you say one time, one of the episodes or one of the podcasts you've been on, that one of the things that you've learned and that you tell others is that you need to follow your heart. How does that relate to faith? Like, your faith. I mean, being a Christian, the Bible, Jesus, how does following your heart relate to that? Is faith your guide? Is Jesus your guide? Because my heart is it's kind of deceptive. You know, my heart tells me all kinds of crazy stuff. And it almost looks at when I watched the clips of the show, it almost seems like your heart got you into trouble. <laughs> it led you down some roads that you maybe wish you hadn't gone down in hindsight. So help me understand, do, do you follow your heart or or Jesus? Well, great question.
0: My understanding is my heart and Jesus, my faith, they're intertwined as far as I believe that whether it's that subconscious that ultimately makes these decisions with a spiritual element, I kind of use the term as just saying again, whatever happened will happen and it's supposed to be that way. And so everything happens to reason and kind of intertwines with falling my heart. And I think, okay, you're going to do what you're going to do, even when it doesn't maybe make sense. And it seems as though you're walking towards a dead end. And on the show, that's something that happened with my family is they all said, Hey, Susie's gone. It's over. Like that ship has sailed. It is done. And in that moment, everyone was telling me it's done. It's over. And in my heart, it was pulling at me. And I don't know if that was my faith, Jesus, someone tell me it's not over, but I had this just intuition that it's not over yet. And so I followed my heart. I was like, you know what? I'm going to follow my heart. And I understand you all think it's over. Everyone's telling me it's over, but I just feel pulled in that direction. And I'm going to do what I believe is best. I think that was guided through Jesus. I would like to believe that because at the end of the day, she was gone in that moment and everyone's like, what are you doing? But here we are. And her and I now have this incredible relationship and it's like, I followed my heart and it led me back right to where I needed to be. Although yes, it did create a lot of trauma along the way, a lot of collateral damage with the other women. But again, I think I have to be able to give myself grace and say, you know, I didn't do anything with malicious intent. I really was trying to give all the relationships a fair chance because there's always a chance that her and I could have a deal-breaking conversation something about politics, religion, things that we didn't want to talk about on camera that we'd talk about in private that could have ended it all. And that could have been my sign that, hey, maybe you should go pursue the other relationships because that, as you've now realized, is not going to be your future. So yeah, I mean, my heart, I knew, again, I was in a messy situation. And once I divulged that I was falling in multiple areas, it was going to get messy. But I kept telling myself, just continue not withholding anything following your heart with faith, you know, kind of carrying you along the way and you'll end up where you need to be. And I just believe that. So Clayton, would
1: you want your son or daughter to be on The Bachelor or Bachelorette? And I ask that because it sounds like as you've reflected on your experience that you learned a lot, you've seen yourself grow, but also you realize you've hurt some people. You've also been dealt a lot of harsh criticism, mostly it sounds like from online sources, right? Not people who are close to you. But you've kind of gone through the whole having your life be on television and everybody watching your personal intimate moments. You've taken your chances at competitive speed dating, which is kind of what I think of it as, right? Competitive Mm -hmm. dating. If you're son or daughter, and I know you don't have kids right now, so maybe it's hard to imagine, but if your 10-year-old, your 15-year-old, your 22-year-old came up to you and said to you, dad, would this be a good way for me to find a lifetime marriage partner? What would you say?
0: Oh, man. Yeah. You know, I think my initial reaction is obviously I have, you know, this whole perspective that very few people will ever will have that things that people don't know that, I'm very cognizant of. And so that would be a very long conversation. I would say that, again, a lot of it for me, I have to look at it and say, if I were to encourage someone to do this, then I have to see the pros outweighing the cons. And I think it's a lot when you throw yourself out there for all of the world to judge your every move. And for me, I would want to be protective as a parent and say you know I'm supportive of you and whatever it is you want to do but here's what I know and I think it was one of those conversations where it's like hey why do you want to do this what is it truly that you want to do and what is it that you feel like you can't find out in the real world instead I wouldn't say that I just flat out would say no but I would hesitate to say yes and it's actually in the same way with like football I mean if someone asked me you know if my kid wanted to play football it's a dangerous sport it creates a lot of head trauma I mean there's probably stuff that I've done that will impact me later in life. And the same stroke, I think I would probably hesitate and say, okay, I'm not going to withhold you from doing it, but maybe we wait until you're farther along in life. So we're not getting you taking instant head impacts and head trauma at an earlier age. It's kind of the same way. It's very context specific. And I wouldn't just jump out right now and say, yeah, absolutely. Hop on that. It would be a very long conversation of what are your goals? What do you want in life? Do you think you can handle this? Because you're going to face a lot of scrutiny, maybe a lot of it unwarranted, but It'd be really hard as a parent, obviously protective. My parents weren't very happy with how I've been portrayed and with what happened. And my mom's been very upset. She's taken it harder than I have. So if you asked her that question, I'm sure she'd say, no, I wouldn't let them go on it. (laughs) And now that I know everything that I know. Yeah. It's hard to say, honestly, to give you a long story. I don't know. I'm not a parent right now. And I think I would be more protective. And at that point I'd probably tell my son or daughter, you know, maybe not, but just depends on what the conversation entails. I understand the point you're trying to
1: make there with football, that it's not always an easy yes or no answer, that things are complicated. But with football or other sports, you hurt yourself, maybe even hurt your brain, which is obviously very serious. You break an arm, you pull a hamstring. Those things can recover in some sense, right? But when we damage our soul, you know, who we are, our character that doesn't recover as quickly. That's more who we are as a person. And so some of my concerns just about the idea of competitive speed dating and seeing all your intimate moments on television have to do with a person's soul and whether it's been good for them or not. How is your faith doing post-show?
0: How's your faith doing today? Yeah, I like that thought process. And I think, again, I've had that talk with a few people closest to me. As far as am I permanently damaged? How am I going to react and respond long term to all of this criticism? You know, the backlash that I've faced, will I be able to find a perspective where I can basically take all of that and turn it into something positive? And I believe I can. As I sit here today, I am damaged. I am emotionally damaged. I have a lot of struggles that I'm still trying to make sense of. I still see the criticism. And it hurts because I don't believe that I am the person that a lot of people are putting out there on the internet and claiming me to be that way. But as of today, again, I have to look at it like I told myself going into the environment that my whole goal was to walk out with somebody that I believe that I could see an entire life with for the long term. And ultimately, even though it was wild and chaotic, I have that right now. Uh, Susie and I have an incredible relationship that grows by the day. We're very, very much in love. And so I have to tell myself and remind myself that it's all worth it. If this between us works out till the end of time, then there's nothing else that has to happen for me to say it was worth it. But that's where, again, I have to just say, okay, listen, don't put too much stress or pressure on me, but I'm in a good headspace today because I have what it was that I was looking for when I walked in to that environment.
1: Hey, Clayton, I really appreciate your transparency, your honest, your humility, your willingness to kind of be self-reflective. Thanks so much for coming on. And if you ever find yourself back in Columbia to, I don't know, see some old friends or whatever, I'd love to grab lunch sometime. So let's definitely hook up. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us. I
0: appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's a great conversation.
1: I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure some of you think I was too hard on Clayton and others think I was too easy. No matter where you shake out on Clayton or The Bachelor, I think it's worth exploring how our cultural vision of sex, marriage, and commitment is changing. Does this new vision fit with Jesus? Will the new vision lead to happiness? Make sure to listen to our previous episode on how the New York Times is redefining marriage and subscribe to the podcast so you can continue to be a part of the conversation.